time and time again, I hear that experience is the greatest teacher. In fact, the other day, uh, I was uh, watching a video by your boy Zach, and he had on this uh, wrestler guy talking about the cave. I don't know. Stuff I, I'm totally uh, not experienced with. But anyway, the guy was talking about how knowledge is, uh, you know, information plus experience, which I always thought knowledge plus experience was wisdom, but you know, whatever. I'm, I'm going to roll with what the guy said. And it's interesting because uh, I, I didn't criticize, but I pointed out that it seems like with Spider-Man, as I'm going on this journey of discovering the roots of Spider-Man, of, of reading all the uh, original stuff and trying to figure out what exactly was going on, I don't know that they really knew what they were doing and I think that's okay because as Ditko and Lee wrote these stories and uh, ironed things out, um, Peter was also learning the ropes of being Spider-Man and it made things interesting. And uh, it really is fascinating how much uh, he has to think about things. And while he is strong and has all these amazing abilities, um, he wouldn't be the hero he is without... Uh, his ingenuity, his creativity, and without the ability to uh, you know, think quickly and figure things out on the fly. And I think that uh, character of Spider-Man is really encapsulated in Amazing Spider-Man issue 2. And uh, that's what I want to talk about right now. I'm MJ. I love Spider-Man. And uh, I already outlined what I'm going to talk about. So here we go. First, I want to talk about the covers. There's actually three covers in total. Uh, and we will, or I'll discuss all of them right now. So if you're looking at the video version with me, uh, this actually has the, uh, vulture on the front. It's advertising that there's two Spider-Man, uh, villains introduced here and two Spider-Man tales. Uh, and then there's an inner cover of just the vulture, um, and Spider-Man fighting, focusing on that first story, the main story. And then the secondary story is, uh, Spider-Man and the Tinkerer fighting. And, uh, we get a cool shot of the Tinkerer shooting Spidey in the back. And, uh, I think these are all good covers. It's interesting. I think the, uh, the main cover with all the, the blurb, all the verbiage on it, um, is actually a, uh, oh, interesting. Anyway, I think it's a, um, I think it's a good cover. Uh, I think it's pretty solid. I kind of like the interior cover better, and I wonder if the interior cover was actually maybe uh, Ditko's first go at the cover, and then they decided to uh, change it, and then they left it as a splash page inside. Um, because really, uh, well, anyway, again, I don't know all the comics jargon, um, but it definitely um, communicates the same idea, but there's a lot less detail in there, and I almost think that would have been a better one to put um, all the text over on the front, but, you know, obviously that's not how it happened, and uh, I don't know, I see a lot of, uh, I see, to me, it looks like it really is um, maybe the first go, first draft, and they said, well, we'll use that for the interior, and, uh, you know, work on it and add some more detail, because I do think the uh, outer cover is a little bit better, um, and, uh, it's not that the work's necessarily better, I just think maybe it's a, a more dynamic pose. But really seeing, um, you know, the two of them in the air, Vulture and Spider-Man, from the two different angles, it's pretty satisfying and exciting. Uh, and I think, uh, again, this is kind of where I'm wondering, like, how much of this all was planned out and how much were Lee and Ditko figuring things out as they went along. Because, like, the way they have Peter talk about swinging around on his webs and stuff, uh, it seems to... 
be more clearly defined or, or, or like they have a better grasp of it in this issue. Uh, but I, I don't know. I like maybe they talked about, oh, he can shoot out these uh, threads of uh, spider silk and then swing across them or climb on them and stuff. Um, but they were just, you know, feeling it out. And I wonder how much of the actual art process uh, helped to define and shape, uh, you know, what Spider-Man's capabilities were. Because they don't really clearly define everything. The, the, the thing is the strength and the stickiness um, and the spider sense, uh, which even the spider sense is kind of weird. But anyway, I'm not talking about the covers anymore. I'm talking about Spider-Man's abilities. So let me pause and focus uh, on that third cover with the Tinkerer. I actually think I prefer this Tinkerer cover to the others and I, or to the, the Vulture one, but I understand, I think, why Vulture was uh, put on the main stage because his costume is definitely more dynamic than an old man with glasses pushed up on his forehead wearing a, uh, you know, long cardigan sweater. So, anyway, I get it, but I just like the idea of the Tinkerer better. Maybe it just appeals to me a little bit more because I've known of Spider-Man for so long and I've hardly ever heard of the Tinkerer, although he was featured in... Uh, I think Chip Zdarsky's Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, which was set after the collapse of Parker Industries and a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, um, which I think, did I already do a review of that or I was planning on it? I can't remember now. But regardless, uh, I, I really do uh, like the look of the Tinkerer. It's a very funny uh, look. It's not very dynamic, but... Being that, you know, spoilers for the very end of the issue, uh, he was wearing a mask when uh, Spider-Man fought him. I wonder what his next appearance will be, and I wonder how much he might come back, if at all. Um, yeah. So, the, uh, the whole comic is 25 pages, and that includes those three covers, or if you want to count the, the third one as like a splash page or whatever. Uh, so... That means that there were 22 pages total with panels splitting them up uh, or, you know, telling sequential story, uh, you know, through art and, sorry, <laughs> and uh, it was really weird. This uh, issue was so dense that it took me like maybe 30 minutes to read through it and I read the first, uh, I don't know, eight or so pages of the story to my kids last night, um, which everybody liked it, which was really cool, but... Uh, I, man, uh, I, I feel like such a, uh, I feel so silly and so late to the party, but like Steve Ditko's art is friggin' impressive. And, uh, I haven't looked him up to see how long he was drawing before he started working on Spider-Man. I don't know how long he was with Marvel. I don't know if he was with anybody else before Marvel or what, but, um, I am so impressed by this guy's art. <laughs> um, uh, the panel layouts even are so interesting. I've never seen... Uh, there's a image where um, Spider-Man is going to be using a, a device that he like a magnetic field disruptor or something like that to stop the vulture from flying because uh, he's guessed correctly, of course, because uh, he's the hero that uh, Vulture is using some sort of magnetic energy to fly um, so quietly. And uh, anyway, he has this disruptor that he uses, and it's really cool. There, you know, Vulture's flying, Spider-Man's webbing him, and the way that uh, they give the emphasis, that they give the focus uh, in the moment to him uh, activating the device and stopping Vulture from being able to fly, is there's this interesting U-shaped cutout uh, panel 
in the middle of the action. It's at like the bottom of the page and it splits the action on either side of it. And it very clearly communicates everything, but it just really struck me because I don't think I've ever seen a, a U-shaped panel like that before. And uh, I, it sounds dumb, but that was really exciting and dynamic to me. Uh, and I really, uh, I mean, it was very effective. So I wanted to talk about the sequential storytelling and the interesting panel layouts that excited me. Uh, but something else I wanted to talk about is the, uh, the, like the dynamism and the uh, iconic nature of how this stuff was drawn. Um, there's an image of Peter where he has the Spider-Man mask over half of his face. His spider sense is going off. The yellow background is behind him. He's thinking about you know what he's sensing with his spider sense. And it's just such a great classic look. Uh, I know that... Um, They've carried that through showing half of his face as Spider-Man uh, in comics for years after this. And it just wows me. It really amazes me that in the second issue they had this. And it may have been in the first, but I don't remember it. But it's very striking here. Um, I think the yellow background um, making you know the mask and, and Peter's face pop so much from it uh, might be why it's just so darn icon iconic to me. And uh, I don't know. Just really good stuff. This is going to be a bit of a weird turn, uh, but there's uh, this, after Peter is done making that magnetic disruptor device, uh, we get this shot of him like leaning back in his chair, and uh, the muscle work and the I, I don't know what you call it because I'm I'm not that into the art of everything, but like the his pose is really interesting. Uh, the way his muscle muscles show, I was going to say musculature, I wasn't going to say muscles, muscles, come on guys. Anyway, the way his muscles show uh, from within his suit and just like the relaxed position he is in and maybe even like his arm being up at his forehead kind of reminds me of the Venus pose. This feels like quasi-sexual um, or sensual or something or, you know, I was thinking like, hey, is this like a you know, cheesecake art I'm looking at here of, uh, of Spider-Man and uh, I don't mind it. It's interesting. Uh, I wonder if, because I don't know how many of you know this, but Marvel also published books of romance, and uh, there was at least some level of female audience. Of course, uh, romances, romance comics had, you know, pretty girls drawn in them with lovely forms, just like we watch, you know, rom-coms today, where, you know, basically all actors are good-looking because people want to have good-looking people to look at, um, regardless of the genre or, the you know, whether they're men or women or whatever. You just want to look at something nice um, that's visually appealing. Uh, and it's interesting to me because I'm thinking, was this panel, like, is it just to show the exacerbation? Is it accidentally, like, striking in that way? Or is it purposeful to some extent to, um, you know, help draw in the female audience as well? Uh, I just wonder. I don't know the motivations, uh, but I thought that was kind of something interesting to point out. I'm going to try to wrap things up more quickly because I don't want to belabor everything. Um, but the sequence I'm looking at now has Spider-Man jumping through the roof of the Tinkerer's building. And then he's uh, detecting something with a spider sense. And then he runs down to the basement where uh, the Tinkerer's, you know, crazier gadgets are held. And what was most interesting to me here is that in the coloring, his suit um, melds into the black backgrounds. And it looks extremely striking. Um... I've heard debates uh, <laughs> that Ditko had intended the suit to be black and red, um, and I don't know, maybe because the coloring process it came off more blue and red, uh, or who knows what, but, you know, and I don't know all the details there, and I'm not going to pretend to know, I'm not a authority on comics, I'm not a 
historian. I'm just a guy who likes the stuff and who is kind of humbly presenting my observations to you, um, talking about the things that I think are so neat because of how much I love Spider-Man uh, specifically and comics in general. I, I really do think the comic book format is like an excellent medium uh, for conveying all sorts of stuff. But anyway, back to focusing on my point. Uh, I just really think this set of three panels, him jumping through the window, him uh, getting his spider sense activated, and then uh, running down into the basement is just, again, really effective. And uh, I think as I go on, um, maybe after the first 12 or so of these first issues that I've um, reviewed, I'll speed up and I'll, I'll clip out <laughs> a lot of this praise for just like basics of the excellent... Uh, storytelling through the art and everything but for now I want to highlight them because I think it's important to uh to go ahead and define that and point those things out uh especially because I'm approaching this trying to understand why did Spider-Man connect and why is Spider-Man such a long-lasting thing when Spider-Man's trying to escape a death trap set by the Tinkerer and his uh cohorts uh there's this really cool panel where it j blue everything else in the background is blue and there's like a diagram showing his hand with the web shooter um, and the different parts of it and uh, there's arrows pointing to it like a schematic type of thing and I think that's just so cool they did that kind of stuff in the in Amazing Fantasy 15 yeah when he was developing his web shooters and stuff they showed that kind of stuff off and that was really neat um, a final thing uh, and uh, that I want to talk about is has less to do with the art and more to do with the ingenuity of Spider-Man that I was talking about, or, or Peter Parker, I should say, that I was talking about earlier. Um, and also, it goes in line with um, figuring things out as they go along. Uh, the story kind of takes a break to... Uh, well, Spider-Man was defeated, basically, by Vulture. Vulture knocked him out, um, and then he tossed him in this uh, water water tower, is that what they call it? Those things on the roof that store all the water um, in New York and other big cities. I don't really see them out here where I'm in the burbs in California, but, um, anyway, it also doesn't rain much in SoCal, so maybe that's why we don't have them here. <clears throat> anyway, so he throws him in a water tower, um, Spider-Man's gonna die, uh, he's out of web fluid, uh, he relies on his spider strength to save him, uh, but then he goes back home, and he figures, if I'm gonna beat this guy, if I'm gonna take pictures and make money, um, you know, to, you know, help support myself and Aunt May, uh, which that's another great thing I'm not going to touch on. It's a, it's a very core part of the story. It's a core part of the character of Spider-Man. Um, I'm actually a little bit surprised by, at the end of it, it sounds like uh, Peter's going to be flush for a while, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of trouble they can cook up for him um, that'll put him in a bind uh, for next issue, because I imagine the... I mean, I've always known Spider-Man to have financial issues, so uh, him coming out on top here uh, kind of surprised me. I didn't think he'd, uh, have such an easy go of it, and I was waiting for things to fall apart on him. But anyway, um, they mention in the captions or whatever, the narration says something like, uh, you know, he designed the suit just to be on stage and to be on display, and he wasn't planning on being a, uh, I think they used the phrase secret adventurer. Um, so he, uh, does some work to, um, he adds a belt with more web fluid in it, uh, or packets for holding more web cartridges, or web fluid cartridges, and uh, also he wants to rig up a belt buckle camera, um, and I know he gets the light in it at some point, but I do think he also has a camera in there, which is a really cool, uh, cool feature, um, and in this issue, uh, he actually 
starts taking pictures not for the Daily Bugle, for Now Magazine, which is a part of J. Jonah Jameson Publishing, uh, which I will... Uh, th there's a bunch of things that are weird. Well, anyway, I, I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about is the ingenuity of Spider-Man. Um, or Peter Parker and how much I like that. So it's really cool to me that as he's figuring things out, he's making new things for himself. And that's stuff I've been familiar with. The strongest uh, memory I have is him like trying to find a solution to deal with Electro because you know when a guy's made out of electricity or can shoot electricity at you, how are you gonna beat him, right? Uh, especially when you're just a guy in a, you know, uh, nylon suit or whatever it's supposed to be. So anyway, it excited me to see him tinkering with his suit and adding things and it made me really happy to see that that's always been a part of him and I like how it's expressed here uh, it was a lot of fun and there's just something so geeky about uh, Peter and uh, I guess you know myself as well uh, and seeing that stuff is really enjoyable especially with like the cutouts that they do and like the technical aspect of it that they get into a little of course it's all you know garbage mumbo jumbo science or whatever but it's still fun <clears throat> The way it's written, uh, it's done uh, with like a light enough detail, and uh, you, you know it took him hours to put this stuff together, and it works. You know, it, um, I can suspend my disbelief and just roll with it because uh, of the way it's presented, and it really makes me happy. <laughs> okay, really wrapping up. Uh, so this is you know major major spoilers for the issue. I, I think you should go and read it. It's definitely worthwhile. It was so entertaining to me, uh, and I think uh, if you like Spider-Man, it'll be entertaining to you too. Uh, the Tinkerer, this old man who Peter remarks, oh that guy looks like he's from a grim fairy tale uh, when he first sees him uh, in his Tinkerer shop. Um, dude was wearing a mask, and somehow Spider-Man got the mask off of him while they were fighting, while. Uh, the Tinkerer escaped because there was uh, flames and smoke as his shop was burning down. Anyway, just it's amazing to me how weird this comic was um, in the beginning. And uh, I don't know, it's like delightful strangeness. Uh, so that's that's really neat. Uh, anyway, last thing I want to talk about is Ditko's art. Uh, while I do praise it in places where it's great, I will point out some mistakes. Um, if you look closely, Spider-Man's left arm has a right hand on it curving out and uh, shooting a web. So, uh, not a perfect man. I don't know what his time constraints were. I don't know how many books he was working on a month or, or what Steve Ditko's situation was. But, um, and as good as he was at drawing hands, uh, he was even better than people know because he could draw hands backwards facing the wrong way and it didn't actually look that bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was a fun little uh, roast I could give to the art. Um, because, you know, praising stuff nonstop is, uh, you know, not so great either. Um, that's really all I have to say. Again, I, I need to put this at the beginning of, of reviews. This is a dec definite recommend, especially if you've got the uh, Marvel Unlimited app. You can go check it out now. Um, or if you have some sort of collection of all the, you know, an omnibus or something, like, it's probably worthwhile. I, I guess I'll, I'll wait to recommend an omnibus or a collection until I've read through the first, you know, 12, 20, 30, whatever issues. But for sure, uh, these are good, man. Uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 was really good. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and now 2. And I find it interesting that both of them have had, like, double features, basically, where they're telling two Spider-Man stories. I wonder if that was just the fashion at the time or why they weren't uh, telling, like, a single Spider-Man story in 22 pages. I don't know. Interesting stuff to me. 
Thanks for sticking with me. Check out mgmunoz.com for more of my work. I talk about tokusatsu and write original fiction you can find there. I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mjmunoz.com STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this. Subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time. I'm Swinging Through Comics.